soldiers. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Welcome everybody, here we are on COP Radio 100.5 FM I'm Ruger, your host, I just can't wait to head dive right into it Because, oh my goodness, today we have an incredible collection of charisma Bright minds here in the booth Woo, I just can't wait Please, everybody, raise your hands in the booth Today at COP Radio, we have Andrew Williamson and Anthony Trongs Juan, how are you guys doing today? Good, thanks Hey, what's going on? Happy to be here. Beautiful. Love Charlie Chaplin, great dictator. Love that that's what uh, introed us in. <laughs> we have to speak the truth, and uh, today we're definitely going to get into the truth of so many beautiful events uh, and uh, beautiful initiatives that happen here in Vancouver. And what brings us here in the booth together today is actually Good Pitch. So first things first, big shout out to Good Pitch. Oh my goodness, so much good work from this initiative and so much good work from Story Money Impact. Now, first things first, before we get into that... Who is Andrew Williamson and who is Anthony Trong Zwang? Hey, I'm Andrew. I'm a producer in Vancouver. I have a company called Cedar Island Films. We do. Uh, we have a focus on documentary, feature documentaries, documentary series, and scripted features, but usually with some sort of international co-production element. Hmm. Beautiful. Thank you for that, Andrew. Anthony. Uh, I mean, I'm Anthony Chung Swan. I'm the outreach director for Story Money Impact. So that really means I send out thousands of emails and I cultivate relationships <laughs> with um, people who are working in civil society for progressive social change. Mm. And I pair them with filmmakers who create beautiful films like Andrew's that can be tools to um, support the work that they're doing. Mm, oh my goodness, this is so tasty. This is film-driven social innovation right here. This is the future and uh, I want to explore the territory that lives in between Anthony and Andrew in some ways as well because uh, Andrew as a film producer and Anthony as an outreach coordinator, uh, what happened with the magnitude of all things? Sure, I think I just want to acknowledge you have a great radio voice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I didn't know this about you until now. <laughs> Anthony's a host as well. We're going to get to hear more uh, about that too. Ah, awesome. Uh, well, the magnitude of all things is the documentary feature that we are currently producing. We're in post-production. It's about the emotional and psychological reaction to climate change from people on some climate front lines around the world, uh, climate scientists, indigenous peoples, and activists. And we were lucky enough to be selected this year as one of the five pitches or one of the five films featured at Good Pitch. Mm, beautiful. And so, Anthony, why don't you take us onto this uh, journey, just understanding a bit more what Good Pitch does for filmmakers? Sure. I mean, I think all of us in this room and probably most of the people listening already understand that documentary film is a really powerful tool for social change. Um, but the mechanisms through which it is powerful sometimes aren't clear. Um, I think the first thing for me, the most major thing, is that over the lifespan of a film, it continues to bring hundreds of people into the same room mm. hundreds of times. And what happens in that room, I think, is quite magical. Mm. When it's a powerful film like Andrew's or any of the films that have gone through Good Pitch, it can change all the minds of the people sitting in that room, mm. move their hearts, and really move them to want to engage in meaningful action. Um, I think that's something you hear a lot at 
Q&As, like, mm-hmm. what, what can I do? Like, they stand up with the microphone in the audience and say, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And what um, Good Pitch and, and Doc Society, the organization that founded Good Pitch and created the program, you know, what, what we really hope to do is ask the question, well, what are the meaningful actions? Mm. Because raising awareness is great, but sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes you have to really try to change the behaviors of society. Sometimes you have to change policy. Mm. Sometimes you have to support a person, a community. And uh, how do you get an audience from the point where they're, they've just watched a film to the point where they're actually meaningfully engaged mm. in, in progressive change. This is a phenomenal and, and it really is almost a, the extension of the bridge of the film, how the film can really create that, that impact in societies, not only in Canada, but also around the world. There's a lot of great work that reaches uh, the international scale here. And uh, I do want to uh, ask Andrew about the backdrop and the trajectory of the magnitude of all things. It's been a project many years in the making. Jennifer Abbott is the writer and director, also the editor and a co-producer. Jen's been developing the project for almost 10 years. I came across the project when Jennifer and I were actually at a Story Money Impact conference called mm-hmm. Media That Matters at Hollyhock on Cortez Island. Mm. And uh, What is the film about? The f- it's about the emotional and psychological reactions to climate change. So really talking to people what they're feeling about what they're experiencing with climate change. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Okay, much needed, much needed. And I like to see the resonance there with how Good Pitch taps into the much needed stories. And Anthony, I would love to ask you, being the outreach coordinator and such a vital, uh, radical uh, presence in the organization that also has a great team, uh, I do want to ask you, what are the ways that documentary films can lead and create impact in our societies? You know, I think I'm, I, I'm just going to use magnitude of all things as an example because I think, you know, with, with this kind of work, it's really important to mm-hmm. have um, uh, a project with specific activities to provide clarity. So, I mean, for magnitude of all things, it was actually quite easy because I, I think any of us who are engaged in climate activism or climate-related work have this feeling of, mm. wow, what a huge problem, and I am just one person Mm. what can I really do and there's such a plethora of data and communications out there about what you should do what you can do that sometimes it can actually be quite immobilizing Mm. and I think there are also different types of emotional reactions and I think Andrew can speak to this as well there's the grief at you know the things that we've already lost Mm. um, you know um Uh, ancestral lands that cannot be inherited by our children or Mm. literally your home has burned down in a wildfire or it can be that anxiety of like this is what's happening within my lifetime there's nothing I can do so and people feel immobilized and so what we do what we helped Andrew and Jen and Henrik the other producer on the film do is that we helped them really identify what we thought were the key messages of the film Mm. and then organically from those messages what the change goals are and so for the film Andrew you can speak to this as well um, one of the things was to simply bring this film to climate affected communities mm. and provide them with the language and the tools to identify what it is that they're feeling because when you don't have those things you just feel it you just feel it and then you're immobilized so we want to provide those tools so people can process that grief that anxiety that stress whatever it is that's caused by the climate catastrophe that we're going through that we're living in right now in a healthy way mm. and through that process come to a point where we feel like we have power because we do mm-hmm. and and um, focus on the things that are truly important to averting 
yeah, a catastrophe. Beautiful. Thank you for that, Anthony. And, and very articulate. And in many ways, we eat emotions, we drink energy, and we breathe stories. And mm. what a beautiful way to use this and utilize stories to make a change and, and make that change tangible as well. Because there are so many ways that the change can be measured and amplified and really exchanged through different communities. This is already the second version of Good Pitch in Vancouver, right? Yeah, it is the second cycle of our program. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. So what is the story behind Good, uh, Good Pitch? So this was a, a, an event last year. There was an event uh, just a, a few days ago, which was phenomenal. And the inspiration in that room uh, was uh, incredible, really mind-blowing. So we'd love to ask you about yeah. the process of taking Good Pitch here to Vancouver. Well, you know, Good Pitch was um, created 12 years ago by the Doc Society mm. in the United Kingdom. And it was really, at that time, Doc Society was called Brit Doc. And mm. there was never an intention for this program to leave the UK. But, you know, what has what is now clear is that what Good Pitch really is is a mechanism for society to do good together. Mm. And there actually aren't a lot of mechanisms like that available. Um, unfortunately, we live in a world where there is neither opportunity nor reward for pursuing good with like mm. all that you have available. And Good Pitch is a, is, is a meeting place where we use these films as, uh, as beacons to bring people who care about the same things, who have common goals, into one space and say, wow, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. They're all in service of, com of of accomplishing this. Why the hell aren't we working together? Why are we working alone? Why do we feel alone? And so the idea is that if you've invented one wheel, I'm not going to re I'm not going to spend my resources reinventing it. Mm. I'm just going to work on my own wheel, and together we can drive this car into well, maybe not a car. <laughs> uh, ride, ride our bicycle into the future. Beautiful, man. Oh, wow. This is going to be an incredible episode today. I'm really excited and uh, I feel, uh, again, really inspired to be here with uh, storytellers like you. And so, Andrew, also on your background, your trajectory, just because not too long ago we had Crazy Aids, you're also one of the founders of Crazy Aids. Mm. So I would love to ask you, how do you see the trajectory of this event, of this iconic event for Vancouver film? Um, how do you see that trajectory come to life and, and, and what are your thoughts about it? I think it's amazing. They just had the 21st year, which is incredible. I obviously got it started when I was in high school, just in case anybody's doing the math. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think it's unusual for Vancouver to bring that much community together, particularly mm. for short films. And I think that is the value proposition of Crazy Aids, much like it is of Good Pitch. It's a mechanism to bring people together. In the case of Crazy Aids, the goal always was um, how can we give filmmakers another chance? Because sometimes it's hard to get your first film made or your second film made and how can you get that film immediately in front of audiences because mm. often in Canada we're bogged down a little bit by bureaucracy mm. and it's hard to wade through all the whole system in order to get something made so the idea was mm. how can we make it as effective as possible to not only get the film made but get people to see it and I think something about that energy and that excitement around filmmaking brings people to it and so we were both there this year and it's incredible it's 1,700 people came mm. out on a, on a weekend night in Vancouver to see f six short films which blows my mind splendid and yeah. I love to uh, to notice the cyclical nature of these events in this community here in Vancouver we're funding uh, an event a community driven event uh, back in the days and now being part uh, as a, a supportive event like Good Pitch in so many ways um, I kind of want to ask you both I, I just I just have to say like <laughs> it was my first Crazy Eights and I was really blown away by not just the amount of community that showed up but the mm. level of community and in case you were keeping track
track. Uh, I was actually in grade school when you founded it, not in high school. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's so funny. That's that's awesome right there. Uh, and um, I do I do want to ask you about uh, the process of stepping into this community and also stepping into film. Was it for both of you? Was it more of a fade in or was it more of a cut into it? You just knew you wanted to make films. What was the process like for you to step into this community? Uh-huh. Do you want to go first? Uh, I knew I wanted to be in this industry when I was sort of nine or ten, but I oh. went through a couple of iterations of what that would look like. So mm. I think when I was that age, I thought acting might be fun, which I did a little bit into high school. Then it became clear it was about directing, and that evolved into filmmaking, which is what I consider producing to be. Mm. But interestingly, in Good Pitch was a moment when I had this realization that what always interested me in film was the power the film had to create change. Mm. And I think something I'm really enjoying about making The Magnitude of All Things and the film we made last year, The Whale on the Raven and some of the stuff we have in development is I think I have enough experience now to push some of those projects forward. Mm, beautiful. Oh man, these are the, the, the heroes, right? The people that we have in this booth are literally the heroes that, that, that propagate that change in a, in a positive way. And also it takes so much, uh, so much work and, and so much vision, percept, perception in many ways. And Anthony, I would love to ask you, was it more of a fade in for you or was it more of a cut into it? here in film? Um, I think it's a pretty complex and circuitous path that brought me here, (laughs) to be honest. I mean, I've always believed in the power of film, you know, on a personal level, you know, films were something that were really important to my development as a child, as an adolescent, as a young man, Mm. as I believe is true for everyone in this industry and in society, to be honest. Um, But really, it was our executive director, Sue Bealy, who kind of took me out to lunch and was like, hey, I've got this job. I think you're good for it. And mm. I was like, I don't think I'm good for it. And she's like, well, I do. And that's all that matters. Mm. And so I, I took the job and, you know, here we are. Beautiful. Wow. I still remember uh, a few years back the introduction uh, to Good Pitch back at the Van City Theater. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Those memories. And looking at where Good Pitch uh, is now and how much involvement and connection and, and, and roots it has grown into this community. It's really impressive. So a big congratulations to all the Good Pitch team. Everybody, big congratulations, big shout out. You definitely have a lot of support from the community and this speaks out loud to the amazing work that you've been doing. And it's time to actually take a break here on Room Tone, the radio show. Oh my goodness, this is already 15 minutes gone by so quick. This is crazy. We're having a great time here. And... Um, I want to take us to a little bouncy track. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, this is Diamonds by Honeycomb. So everybody, please enjoy this bouncy tune. Let's go.
Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia, Juicy Juicer here on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Roger, your host on Room Tone, the radio show, talking movies because we love it. That was Diamonds by Honeycomb. Such a juicy track right there. Where did that track take you guys? It's awesome. It's a good vibe. That's for sure. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm loving it so much. I'm so looking forward also to this uh, next uh, uh, section of the conversation where we get to dive a little bit deeper into the personal trajectories of both Andrew Williamson right here and Anthony Tron Swan. Uh, so please, why don't we take a moment and just uh, embrace this uh, situation where filmmakers and uh, film producer, people that are part of the community come together to just have a conversation, uh, putting uh, a lot of the bureaucracy aside and just enjoying the process. So uh, uh, one of the things I want to kick this off with is uh, I know we have Anthony right here who also is a host and there is a layer uh, that's really deep uh, rooted in uh, storytelling as well. I'd love to ask you, Anthony, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, your trajectory in uh, storytelling here? Uh, well, in storytelling, I mean, I... I I made a short film, I made a few short films uh, about five uh, years ago, and I had a huge amount of fun doing it. Um, They went to Tribeca Film Festival and various other places. And, you know, I'm a creative at heart. I love telling stories. It's Mm. something that's been a part of who I am and something I do for the joy of it my entire life. Um, In addition to making films, at, at one point I was also... An installation artist, and uh, I'm also an incredible dungeon master. So oh if, man, that's amazing! So okay. if you want to roll, if you want to roll some dice, hit me up. Oh, I don't have a group in Vancouver. Pin that thought, man. Pin that thought. Uh, and uh, as Rogero mentioned, I also host a podcast that's currently on hiatus called Technicolored, which is basically people of color, activists, and uh, artists of color sitting around a table talking shit about the a terrible state of representation <laughs> in Hollywood films, mainstream mm. films. And this is so necessary and really thank you for doing that, Anthony. And I would love to ask you also, what are uh, the things that you've learned in this process of really talking with so many artists uh, uh, from the community? What, what are the main uh, messages, the key points that you got uh, from this experience? You know, I don't know if there are any key points. I think it's a really complex and nuanced Mm. conversation I mean Mm. everyone gets something different out of film Mm. Um, everyone puts something different into film I think really it's just that there are so many communities whose stories are not represented Mm. uh, or are not represented accurately or respectfully on screen and I think that's a loss for society because Mm. you know when even from my own culture, I feel like there's, um, as a first-generation immigrant, I feel like there's a disconnect between myself as someone who is born and raised in Canada and the the wealth of stories that I should have inherited simply because there's no support for those stories in, on TV and in the theater. And so I think we just continue to have this conversation. Things are changing. I, I do see that. Um, and every time I, I, I come out of a, you know, a, a movie like Parasite, I'm like, we're here. We're we're getting there mm. because if imagine a world where you couldn't have seen that film, you know mm. that's a that's a lesser world. Beautiful. Thank you for that, Anthony. And that's a, that's a loud message, definitely. That the the whole film industry around the world has received. Uh, so I do believe we're going to a better place. We're always getting better and better. And uh, I can see that there is that spirit, especially in the film community here in Vancouver. And Andrew, being here part of the film community in Vancouver for such a long time, I want to ask you: How did you see Vancouver and its film community transform throughout all these decades? It's a good question. It's it's a challenging film community in some ways. The heart of the industry in Canada is based in Toronto, which mm. means there's fewer opportunities to get projects set up and financed in Vancouver. And as well, we're lucky, but 
challenged by the U.S. studio system and all the service work that we do in Vancouver. So on the plus side, lots of people have jobs. There's lots of filmmaking happening and a lot of infrastructure built. And that was the key, one of the key ingredients to the early success of Crazy Eights is I was able to go to all these service providers who benefited so much from the U.S. studio work and say, okay, can you give me something for the Canadian filmmaker who's working on your crew? They're a set dresser. They're a first AD. Now they want to make their own film. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the, you know, the flip side of that is it's hard to find space for the domestic product within mm. the service industry so that's always the challenge uh, we're intrepid out here we've made it work I like to refer to the fact that I have a Vancouver producer's resume mm. which is a phrase I adapted from Sarah Dodd <laughs> who talks about her Vancouver writer's resume so I've worked in a lot of genres and I've done a lot of different things but I've managed to stay and work here on the west coast which is awesome mm, phenomenal um, yeah, and it's about what are the stories we can tell here that you can't tell anywhere else. Absolutely. Thank you for that. It's a great call to action to all the filmmakers, especially that are based here in Vancouver and uh, tapping into this community. Wow, man, what a, we're so lucky. What a community we have here. Yeah, Do you we feel are. it's the same in Toronto? Well, you know what? I, I have to say, just to, to build on what Andrew said, that it, it is hard to, to kind of make a film in Canada, but it's really hard to get it seen, especially mm. in English-speaking Canada. So for a long time, I was working at an organization called Real Canada, which uh, works to build, not, not to support filmmakers but to build audiences for Canadian films and that was our method for supporting Canadian filmmakers because mm. we are making beautiful complex uh, incredible films here in Canada but there is a stigma against them there's this you know really entrenched attitude that they're going to be low budget that they're going to be slow mm. that they're going to be boring and they're just not being seen they are not those things there are some incredible stories out there like right now like filmmakers like Matt Johnson or Kazik Radwanski or you know Jen Abbott and Andrew <laughs> Williamson beautiful uh, and, and, and in this at uh, this point actually Andrew I'd love to congratulate also for your work back in 2006 uh, releasing Skate Life and actually managing to cross that border and taking the film to Sundance which is quite remarkable would you like to talk a little bit more about the process of making the film and then taking it to a festival like that Sure. Well, actually, I was thinking a lot about the conversation we had before we sat down the chairs here about community and thinking that if I haven't had this thought before, but if there's something that links some of the work I'm proud of that I've done here in Vancouver, it is that sense of community. And that was a really early example. We worked with the skate community here, which was a community I was not familiar with. Um, I was on a skateboard once during the filming. That's the only <laughs> time in my life. It's never going to be repeated. Was it uh, Was it captured on video? Uh, somebody has it somewhere. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to do think, some digging. Uh, <laughs> with me also falling off the skateboard. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> but we rented a house in Burnaby and we brought those kids and it was an early uh, stage. We, we called our creative document a scriptment. It was the beginning of that rea scripted reality era, but we did it in a feature film. So it was half documentary, half narrative. Alain Mastai, who's a very well-established writer now, mm. Uh, did the creative process and uh, it was it was a deep dive into that community we shot in front of the old post office downtown Vancouver we got chased off by the cops we went <laughs> to UBC to do the amazing rail out there that nobody had done mm. and the director had had his previous film in Sundance so they were open to looking at it and I think they were really caught by not only Vancouver but we took those skateboarders around the province we went to Merritt in the interior we went to Tofino on Vancouver Island we skated the park in Parksville uh, and so we were really able to bring a really cool taste of Vancouver to Sundance mm. 
which mm. was an awesome experience. Fascinating. And also as a producer working with so many different directors, I'd love to ask you, what are the traits of a successful collaboration between a director and a producer, especially in documentaries? I think the producer's job is to create the work environment for the director to do their job. Mm -hmm. And that can take a lot of different forms depending on what the director needs. It can be financial, it can be logistics, it can be a container, which is a word that Jen uses a lot. Uh, so the job is what do you need to, who do you, how do you need to protect that vision in order to get the film made? What a, what a, what a, wow, this is incredible, man. What a definition, what a, what a great combination of words right here. I'm always passionate to hear this, uh, especially from people like you. And so uh, I, you and definitely hit something there. We're always the first one to start and the last one to end too. That's mm. the other lot of the producer. Of course. Much, much like uh, Good Pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And Anthony, uh, uh, would you be interested in producing or directing content? Yeah, I mean, that was that was kind of what I was doing when I was a filmmaker. I was mm -hmm. uh, doing a lot of writing and directing. Producing is what I'm not interested in, and I think part of the reason why I never pursued that avenue is that I never found that producer that I have a great relationship with, um, mm. which is something... Um, you really need at that stage in your career. So I didn't, I didn't have it in me to do that realm of work. It's just so friggin' hard. So mm -hmm. I have all the respect in the world for people like Andrew and Henrik who are able to take that on. And so, yeah, no, I mean, I would never close the door on that. I'm, as I said, I'm a creative person by nature. I still write scripts, to be honest, in my mm, spare time. Beautiful. But um, about what? Oh, this is interesting. About what? Yeah, let's get into it. Why not, man? The thing I'm working on right now is... Um, so, one, one of the problems I have with fantasy literature, which is something that really inspires a lot of my creative work, is that it's really always focused on the upper class, like kings, queens, mm. like nobles, like and, the, and how their lives are more valuable than the lives of the peasantry. And so, um, I've... You know, this project that I've been kind of exploring in various dimensions... Uh, has really been about the underclass in a fa in a fantasy society, and so it's it's kind of like um, it's like Eight Mile meets Game of Thrones. It's, it's like a, <laughs> awesome. it's, it's a hip awesome. it's a hip hop um, uh, musical uh, set in like the musical like the criminal underworld of uh, this fantasy world that I've built. Wow, you both make yourselves very interesting really fast. I like that. That's uh, that's impressive there. And I do want to ask Kendry also in your experience producing so much content, um, ranging even to emergency room. How did you get access to make uh, create content like that? Yeah, that was a, an epic project for sure and definitely one of the first of its kind in terms of access because in the first season we spent six months embedded in the emergency room filming with the director, Kevin Eastwood, and the team. Access came uh, through the collaboration with the Knowledge Network and the company I was working for at the time and we had tried to get access to one hospital and ultimately weren't successful so mm. VGH was definitely our second attempt. A lot of conversation, a lot of meeting and a lot of working through a trust building relationship because there was a lot at stake. Mm -hmm. Healthcare, patients, confidentiality, staff, even logistics about how do you get out of the way when there's a trauma underway. Mm. Uh, so there was a lot of conversations around that, a lot of meetings, and we ultimately boiled that down to an agreement and sort of a filming protocol that got us through the production. Wow. Oh my goodness. So much so much prep, eh? So much mm. work behind the frames. This is incredible, really. And um, also, I'm really curious to hear from you, talking to independent filmmakers out there at the moment that want to create that content, yet there is that big wall of distribution, right? And distribution is constantly changing. Uh, I do want to ask you, for independent filmmakers out there, where is the money in film? That's a good question. 
currently it's in streaming, honestly, uh, television, but I think there's always opportunities. You know, a couple of years ago, I made a web series that we shot in Victoria. I think you always need to look where is the audience mm-hmm. and where can you start to build the relationships to get your work out there. And often those two things happen simultaneously. So mm. for me, I always had a job job while I was producing Crazy Eights, including when I did Skate Life, when I did the follow-up feature and, you know, gradually my day job and my producing became one. But I think if you're talking about independent filmmakers and people that are, you know, working to build their credits and their IMDb, uh, sometimes both things are necessary. Mm, interesting. And in your experience, uh, how, may, how much content was predetermined, the broadcast or the distributions was predetermined uh, before the production and how much of it was found after the production of the content? In documentary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why I think, not? Yeah, I think you always go in with a really good plan, and I think a lot of the development work is beating out uh, what you ultimately imagine things will look like. Mm. And then I think everybody, if you're working with the right partners, is open to what happens when you go into the field. Mm. But even then, you can't lose sight of the fact of story arcs, of character development, of finding all the moments you need to tell the story. So it's a nice dance between being open to the reality and then also being conscious that at the end of the day, you need to, to cut that story together. Fascinating. Wow. Wow, uh, thank you for that, Andrew. And, and back to Anthony, man. Anthony, I'd love to ask you because the work that you do at Good Pitch is really incredible. The outreach coordinator of this incredible initiative, uh, not only requiring a lot of emotional intelligence in many ways, but also a lot of perception, a lot of touch uh, in connecting with all these wonderful uh, impact leaders basically all around Canada and North America. What were some of the most memorable moments, some of the highs and the lows of connecting with these social innovators across North America? I mean, I think one thing about the work that I do as the outreach director of Good Pitch Vancouver is really we're just supporting everyone who's doing that good work, right? Mm. I, I don't think, I think what I believe is that we're creating this space where their work can be uplifted. Like when I reach out to people like the Good Grief Network, which came to Good Pitch Vancouver to support the magnitude of all things from Salt Lake City and Seattle, you know, they came because they've been trying to get their message out into the world. Good Grief Network, they've built this 10-week grief counseling course that's been really helpful in building grief circles in Salt Lake City, Seattle, San Francisco, all around the United States, and helping people deal with the the exact same feeling that uh, Andrew and Jen's film um, is trying to do and they've been looking to expand and 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 have a tool to communicate this really hard to articulate feeling for the entirety of their history as an organization mm. so for them to be invited um, to use this film was like it was like a gift to them mm-hmm. and that's what I think is really the beautiful thing about the work that I do is that I'm reaching out to all of these people that are doing this amazing, fantastic, um, really inspiring work. And I'm just saying, can I help you? Mm. Can I help you by just introducing you to someone else who all who wants deeply to do the thing that you want to do? Mm. And when they help you, they're also going to be helped. And so it's just like all of us being lifted up together by what we hope to accomplish and our wow. end and our optimism. This is a synergy in its purest form right here. Wow, this is incredible. This is, again, the word ins- inspiring comes, uh, comes through these mice quite a lot in this episode because that's, that's really the backbone in many ways uh, of the work at Good Pitch and at Story Money Impact. And, and so also looking at the landscape that we have here with film, with documentary film, and with content creation, also with VR 360, where do you see... Uh, the consumption of content here in Vancouver go in the next five to ten years? 
terms of how people will consume content. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think it's more and more on people's phones, but I think it's anywhere someone has the space and the time to take a story in. So I think that the goal is to keep focusing on the stories. What are the stories that you want to tell? Because I think in my limited experience, even though the platform shifts, it's the same end goal. We can watch Netflix whenever we want, as opposed to at 9 p.m., but ultimately we're still sitting down together to watch something. Mm, mm. Great point right there. Wow, man, so much substance here. This is incredible. We're swimming, and I'm really looking forward to getting uh, even deeper right after the break uh, with the Proust questionnaire and the one-minute pitch. So please, everybody, stay tuned. Uh, this is a Room Tone, the radio show. I'm Ruggiero, your sharp Italian nose here on the mic. And we have Andrew Williamson and Anthony uh, Trongs Swan right here. It's an incredible combination of charisma. Bright people, please enjoy this juicy track. Uh, this is uh, called Conversations by Kuzic. And I'll catch you right after on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. Enjoy.
Welcome back, everybody. This was uh, Kuzic. Uh, oh, my goodness. Conversations is the title of the track. And you are on Call Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Ruggiero, host, talking movies because we love it on Room Tone, the radio show. Let's just do it. Let's just get back to it with Andrew Williamson and Anthony Trons 1, talking about good pitch, story, money, impact, so much goodness happened here. And we're here with a one-minute pitch. So we're going to go for one minute for both uh, both of you guys to just pitch one minute. Any project, anything at all that comes from the heart. You guys ready? No. Who's going first? Who's going first? Anthony, you got to... Yeah, you want it? You want it? Okay, Anthony it is. And <laughs> we're going to go it. for a one minute pitch. Three, two, one. Let's go. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about that project earlier. It's uh, So it's a fantasy film and it's uh, set... It's a hip-hop musical, and you know what? I'm just going to set the scene for you. A young man named Tishan Tepambwell, he walks into a bar called the Stagger Inn. People are dressed in animal furs, uh, there's loud music pumping, like lots of percussion, and it's, it's essentially a concert. Everyone's hot, sweaty, and there's uh, a musician on the stage called Mama Hollow, and she is an activist. She's um, plenty of people from the Wilder community um, have been killed by the law enforcement in in this uh, in this story. And so he's just watching this story, and he listens to the song, and he feels changed by it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna perform the song for you. Can you turn the music oh, down? Oh wow, it's gonna happen! Oh my goodness! Okay. Let's so in go. this world, cops are called cavaliers. And uh, this people, they're called uh, Wilders. So, Cavaliers ain't having you. Walking down the avenue. Start talking back. They'll attack and start having you. Listen to this missus. Do what mama tells you to do. There's a list of missing persons and they don't mind adding you. If you see calves creeping by, then sneaky slide to the side. Try to let them ride by. Don't be meeting their eyes, aight? If they hot seat you to speak, then keep mild and meek. Yeah, we're wild and free. That's two strikes out of three. If they flung wilder slurs, then put your knees in the dirt. Bite your tongue till you hurts. Keep your knife in your shirt, cause if they see any steel, they hang you up from a birch. Long drop, sudden stop, leave you as food for the birds. Don't make your mother's heart hurt, another loss from the herd. Don't let them take your life, son, that's yours to preserve, so keep them thirsty. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Anton Lee, for straight from the heart, man. Wow. He just uh, went for real. I said straight from the heart, and that came from the heart 100%, man. Uh, so, so many layers to you, Anthony. Uh, that's, uh, that, that was quite a surprise here on the show. Never happened before. So, high five in the booth for that. Give me that. Give me that. Amazing. Oh, wow. So cool. Wow. Andrew, one minute pitch. You ready? Sure. All right. And we're going to hit that clock in three, two, one. Let's go. I'm super interested in doing another documentary series uh, in Vancouver, uh, or one that could be across Canada. And so, been working with a creative that I've worked with on an award-winning series uh, in the past, and we are developing something called How to Be Happy, which is a new series about ordinary people on the front lines of their own lives and their unique and extraordinary efforts to capture that one ineffable human condition, which is happiness. So we know people who are working in jobs that they're not satisfied with or in situations that they don't want to be in what is that piece that makes them take that leap and what does that risk look like and I think each episode we can dive deep into somebody's life maybe bring some people to the table to help facilitate that conversation and uh, see if the ingredients are there for them to take that big step Wow, and that's the one-minute pitch from Andrew Williamson right there about happiness. Congratulations to both of you. This, of course, you. you got that pitch uh, right in, ready to go in the pocket, which is quite remarkable uh, to just hear hear the musicality and the pace of that. Especially Anthony, man, that was an amazing surprise. Say, Thank you for holy. that. Wow, that was that was crazy. First. Um, talking about <laughs> happiness too, right? This this, this series, uh, this is quite fascinating, especially in Vancouver. It's something that uh, it's, it it falls in many of the conversations that I have here in the city. 
um, there seems to be quite a struggle around that topic, of course, and it's a universal uh, topic. There is, and there's a different interpretation universally, too, and I think it's careful to frame this in the conversation around privilege as well. Mm. Sometimes happiness can be, you know, a tent in the trees that you have mm. a good night's sleep. So I think we need to be careful that it's not a Western culture perception of happiness, but is it closer to something like fulfillment calm. I know some people who would settle for an absence of anxiety as a definition of happiness. Um, And so I'm definitely not interested in going down the like, I got a kitchen reno and a steam bath in my bathroom road to happiness. I think there's a deeper conversation there. Of course, we're going deep and we're actually about to go really deep with the Proust questionnaire. Uh, And what we do at the end of every episode is we pick five questions randomly out of the Proust questionnaire. And Proust, the French novelist, he wrote down 35 thinking they would dig down deep to reach someone's true uh, essence and identity. And so a big... uh, a uh, big moment right here just to talk about spirituality and not only film. Now, if you both are ready, we're just going to go and just hit the, get those oxygen masks and go down deep and start with the first question of the Proust questionnaire, which goes, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Mm. <laughs> Who's going first? It's time with the ones you love. Mm, thank you for that. <laughs> wow. So I would add to that by saying somewhere in nature. Oh, I really resonate with that. And also nature, there are so many layers to that, right? Wow. And I'd love to, to, I'd love to actually stay in touch and connect uh, with uh, the series, uh, especially because the topic and the issue is so relevant and it's so easy. I always wonder myself, it's so easy to confuse joy with happiness, mm. right? And how those two interplay and intertwine. And it seems almost like joy becomes, is a circumstance, right? It's a consequence mm-hmm. of a circumstance. But happiness can be more of a choice and that's the that's the call to action in some ways how can we turn happiness into a choice and not into a constant into uh, the consequence right very very fascinating and that leads us to the second quest- uh, question of the Bruce questionnaire which historical figure do you most identify with this identify is with that's hard wow yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's hard mm. god what do you think, Andrew? I should have studied for this <laughs> radio interview. <laughs> thinking, thinking, thinking. Because then now you have to think of someone you admire from history, mm. but then you also have to compare yourself to them. Mm. Right. You know? mm. And, uh, you know, and, and go through cancel culture and weed out all the problematic figures <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. history, which has also been a challenge. Is there someone you admire specifically? You know what, I, because Elizabeth Warren dropped out of the race today and said uh, in the U.S. and said she was sorry to disappoint all the young girls that were ready for a female president, mm. I would include myself in that. I am shocked that it's two old white guys mm. speaking as a white guy myself running mm. for that office. So I'm going to say Elizabeth I of England, someone we could look to in history who was a strong, fearless female mm. leader that broke tradition and ground and you know ruled in whatever definition of rule that is acknowledging all the problems of monarchy and colonization but um let's hear it for uh women leaders in history Mm -hmm. wow thank you for that Andrew. beautiful beautiful anthony yeah i don't know um you know as i think about this i think about something else you said earlier you called us heroes and i actually don't believe in heroes i believe in people who make choices um, for the benefit of others so you know i'm gonna break your rules a bit and i I don't think i'm gonna choose any single person i don't believe in 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 this myth of the individual i think there are so many people out there whose names are not in the history books who have made choices Mm. who have have affected our lives to this day Mm. and and i want to give a shout out to all those people who weren't important enough to be considered worth listing wow thank you for that anthony's got ready to go i love it wow and this leads us to the third question of the proust questionnaire which goes 
what do you most value in your friends? Honesty and company. Hmm. Beautiful. Drinking ability. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. Beautiful. Um, I think really um, uh, uh, a willingness to be vulnerable and to accept help. Mmm, beautiful. Oh my goodness, so much, so mm. going so deep, so much juicy juice here. Now. This is this is wonderful there. This is wonderful. Um, I've learned I've learned more <laughs> about you in the last 40 minutes than through the last six months of Good Pit. Well, beautiful. we've got a good host. We've got a good host. No, and it's always the guests, right? It's uh, fascinating <laughs> to see all the, the, the faces and the souls that have come through here and uh, the energy of the guests that goes through these mics to all our community out there in Cop Radio and through our podcast online. Man, uh, this is really community all the way through. And so thank you for being here and enjoying this moment because uh, of course uh, it takes uh, at least two noses in this booth to make it happen and mm. so I'm so happy that we have three noses here making it happen beautiful now next question of the Bruce questionnaire what is your current state of mind hmm <laughs> wow I can see those eyes rolling around the booth oh whoa 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 thinking what do you have there from the heart Anthony Oh, I'm just rested and grateful. Mm, grateful. Keyword. Keyword. Gratitude. Oh, Actually, my the keyword is rested. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, I have a little trepidation about what question you're going to ask next. Uh, I'm and I'm a little still discombobulated from Good Pitch, to be honest, uh, because it happened for us alongside our day job with a bunch of different shows on the go and whatnot. So mm. I'm still processing. Well, I, you know, when it's not a public event, typically you need to be invited to Good Pitch. So it's not something that's easy to share. But I would just say that it is such an incredible, incredible experience that takes for, you know, Anthony, it's been two years. For me, it was six months. And for most people, it was one day. Uh, it's hard to put that in words. Wow, incredible. And again, big shout out to all the team. You know, we got Sue Beely, Tracy Friesen, Liz Short, and everybody. Anthony, I'm sure there are so many more people. Who Absolutely. can we give a shout out to? I mean, th there's so many. Uh, I'm not going to try to list them all because I will forget. But if you are someone who is passionate about social change or you are a filmmaker who wants to explore whether or not your film can be a tool to make that happen, I would encourage you to check out our website www.storymoneyimpact.com or check out more information on the Good Pitch program itself which is international it's in 15 different countries around the world at goodpitch.org beautiful we're going to make sure that we put all of these links and the links of your work Andrew as well and everything that's happening in the description of this podcast we're going to make sure that people can connect and stay tuned and uh, that leads us to the last question of the Proust questionnaire when and where were you happiest haha <laughs> We're going super deep over here and appreciate your vulnerability in choosing to walk this path and just go this deep. What do you have there, Andrew? I will say in Tofino in the winter with my family trying to learn to surf. Oh, nice. In the winter. Wow. Family. Key word right there. Gratitude. Family. We have a lot of beautiful words right here. Anthony. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think happiness is... Um is a really multifaceted thing. There's so many dimensions to it. There's different types of happiness. Um, I have to say, it's like asking who your favorite child is. Um, mm. You know, professionally, you know, that moment at Good Pitch when you realize that you've accomplished this thing that you've worked so hard for, that is a profound happiness. But the moment when I step off that plane and, you know, I see the ones that I love waiting for me, that's going to be a v another profound moment of happiness. Um, and, you know, honestly, last night when I went to bed and I was like, I'm going to be able to sleep for eight hours. That was a profound moment of happiness. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So it's all of those things. And, and every... Every moment when you have the space to feel joy, I think is you, you, 
you, you you'll find it somewhere wow we're touching all the colors of the color wheel over here in the booth thank you guys for for uh, this uh, this wisdom and, and also this heart there is a lot of heart and uh, talking about touching the word of love is very meaningful here and there's a lot of purpose into that and I also am very curious to hear from you how you manage to keep the balance between the film industry and the film life and the all the other slices of life how does that balance work for both of you my balance sucks, so don't ask me. <laughs> no, I don't have a balance either. I, I mean, I think that's one thing with the industry is that you you don't tend to have a lot of hobbies or a lot of other things. I don't know why. Sorry, I don't know why it's uh, so all-encompassing. I think that's partly because you're also doing things in the film industry that you would like to do in the rest of your life, and mm. it all kind of bleeds over. So I don't think there's balance, but um, there's a lot of joy. Yeah. Mm. I think I think really the key is to find people in your life who understand what it is that b- gives you that joy and support you through it. And there mm. are there are, you know, there are relationships and in on the life side of things that sometimes can um yeah, uh not support the the pursuit of those things. Mm. And then sometimes there are and those are the people that uh that keep you going. Wow, beautiful. Really the people at the core of everything that we do in so many ways, especially in film and looking at the film community as a family, right? In some ways as well. How how we can look at people as uh, stories with legs, right? And and there was a beautiful saying, um treat a book like a person and treat a person like a book, mm. right? Flip the pages gently, highlight the best parts of it, and then reread it again because there is definitely something that you missed. And I love to see that sense of community here in the film industry here in Vancouver. That's lovely. Well, that makes me think of a show that I produced that I'm very proud of that took place in this neighborhood. So we're recording this today in the downtown east side of Vancouver, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful part of the city that mm. not a lot of people know. And thank has a you, lot Andrew. Of preconceptions, but I produced a series called Gastown Gamble for the OWN Network in Canada, and we spent, again, six months in this community at the reopening of Save on Meats, and got to meet a lot of those people that you refer to as stories with legs. It changed my life. It changed my daughter's life because she was young, and she came down with me all the time, and so she has an acknowledgement of this community that's different from other kids her age, and only one story out of all the stories we were lucky enough to tell and meet people on was that, uh, no matter what is happening down here whenever a kid steps onto the sidewalk in the downtown east side the call goes out that the kid's on the block bravo that's beautiful thank you for saying that nowhere else in this city oh my god man you're tapping into my heart right now and and, uh, of course uh, how crucial and how important this community is for for me personally but also for the community of cop radio for the community of the people uh, that stand in this neighborhood so much love so much love to everybody Um, we are in the process of dissolving that stigma every single day when we talk about this we are all always dropping something into the container of the collective subconscious and saying this is different than what than what the, mo- the majority says it is right and that's beautiful thank you for mentioning that Andrew and I have one last question for both of you before we wrap this whole burrito up we got to pass on the word to talk recovery with Giuseppe uh, I want to ask you what's your piece of advice to independent storytellers and filmmakers out there Anthony hmm <laughs> what do we have there Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if there's one piece of advice. I think uh, I think everyone's on their own path. Mm. Everyone has their own choices to make, and when you make those choices, just n- know that it every choice you make like opens up different worlds, right? Mm. So you can make the safe choices, you can make the easy choices, you can make the right choices. So um, at at every moment, um, know that you're making a choice, whether you do something or not. 
Beautiful, thank you, Anthony. Oh my goodness, so much depth, so much heart in this booth. That's beautiful. I can I can feel the heat, man. We in a sauna or what, man? So much heat in this booth, man. That's amazing. Andrew, how about you? Piece of advice to independent filmmakers out there. Two, uh, people will tell you you can't do it, and if you want to do it, just go ahead. They told me it was the wrong time to get in the industry, and I would never last when I started. And so far, I'm still alive. Wow. Uh, and my very wise friend Dave says you're more defined by the projects you say no to than the projects you say yes to. Mm. Ooh so much juicy juice this is incredible wow uh, please 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 a big hug to both of you for coming here in the booth talking about good pitch story money impact the whole incredible trajectory of both of your careers Andrew Williamson Anthony Transwan this is uh, incredible um, I do want to um share a memory and a piece of thought from the experience at Good Pitch. There was a specific moment where the energy in the room switched uh, and there was a, a moment of gratitude, of collective gratitude. And I think that this is what we can aspire and look up to as communities across the world. That collective moment of gratitude because of the work of a collective that works for that purpose, that meaning. So a big thanks to all the people at Story Money Impact, uh, all the mm. filmmakers behind the films at Good Pitch. And this is, uh, this is, we're wrapping it up. This episode is over right here on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. Anthony, Andrew, thank you so much for coming over here. Uh, we're going to uh, just uh, send a big hug to all the people out there listening. If it's online, if it's through the podcast, that might be late. Hug is still warm for you. If you're here live broadcast, uh, oh man, so much love. This is Room Tone with Rogero Romano. <laughs> Reach me at uh, Swanthony Swan on Instagram. <laughs> That's SW Anthony Swan. Beautiful. Actually, going to make sure that we get that uh, in the description of the podcast as well. Andrew, any 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 social media handle, anything at all? I'm good. Thanks for having us. It was awesome today. Yo, Beautiful. at Cedar Island Films. Yeah, that's amazing, right. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, everybody. And we're going to wrap this whole episode up with another amazing Juicy Juicer track. My goodness, this is one of my favorite artists. This is Gentle as the Sigh of a Morning Breeze by Drum Motive. Enjoy this Juicy Juicer. Catch you next Thursday. Ciao, ciao.